that is within us, let us bless God. Who forgives all our sins, who heals all our diseases. Who lifts us up from rock bottom, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. With all that is within us, let us give praise and thanks to God, who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house this morning. We come with many worries, with many concerns, perhaps with love and joy within our hearts, perhaps just thinking about tomorrow. We come into this morning, though, to drop all of that here, to come into your presence, knowing that you are with us, that you love us, and that you care for us. May we at this moment direct our hearts towards you to worship you as the loving God that you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you're being seated, let me welcome everyone to worship here at South Sun Baptist Church this morning. It is another warm summer day, and I know that you're already aware of it, but look at it this way. Even though our air, air conditioner here can't keep up with it, imagine what it would be like without what we have. So there is some, this glass is more than half full that we've got here for Lloyd, so we should see it that way. Not just a half full, but more than that. So we, uh, we give thanks for those things we do have. But let me welcome you all, those who are guests and members alike. And in your um, order of worship, you'll find there a registration slip it's actually got an announcement on one side and on the other side of the place where you can sign in let us know that you're here a part of worship today 
also that uh, will inform us of those things you might be interested in as well. So if you'll take time, both members and guests alike, please fill that out, drop it in the offering plate as, uh, as it's passed later. Today we gather on this Sunday, warm Sunday in, in July, and we have a guest speaker with us today, uh, Dr. Lord Allen, who is from um, actually a small town boy who went to school not too far south of here in Montevallo, but then also went on, as you'll read there, all the, the many things he has accomplished, but also um, when I first was introduced to him through another minister here, Gary Furr, and uh, Lloyd led the group of pilgrims that went to Israel back in 2010. And uh, during that trip, I got to know and love him and appreciate what he does for students as he uh, leads students and ministers and helps people continue their, their education and also their understanding of what it means to be a pilgrim in life. So I thank you, Lord, for that, and I know that you will look forward to hearing him today. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Southside. And if you look around, you see people from all walks of life, all races, all ethnicities, or many ethnicities, people who come here. We come because we include all gathered in this place. We come because we are called to follow the one who has redeemed us. We come and gather in this place because we are God's children. Every one of us, every one of us that's here, God has created, and God seeks to have a closer walk with us. God includes us all. And as Southside has um, been working toward an inclusive community of grace, we do so in every facet of life because our first mission is to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, but also to realize that that means looking to and engaging in the lives of every person we encounter day by day. So I hope today as you come, if you're a visitor or a member, that you have been greeted warmly, that there's been a... a um, proper Southside welcome given to you, but also to know this afterwards, there's a time of fellowship in the narthex there today because it's so hot outside where you can join together and have some lemonade good in good Southern fashion. And just a couple of cookies. Um, some of you may have more than that, but it's a time to gather for that purpose. So we hope that you'll stick around for that as well. Before we continue in our worship, Dr. Banks is gonna come and Dr. Kelly, and uh, I uh, add my uh, greetings to Dr. Allen for being with us uh, today. Uh, those who have been around us for a while will know that uh, in the music business here at Southside, we do make an attempt to unify the worship in a fashion so that the, uh, you know, the anthem or the hymns or things have a theme. Well, today we're really over the top uh, because Dr. Allen is speaking about the Lord's Prayer. So you're going to get several versions. You've already heard one. Uh, we're about to sing another. You'll hear at least two more. I stopped myself from doing a notre père in French or an achanage in Russian, uh, though that, you know, if there had been time, I might have squeezed that in, but probably not. Um, you will find that uh, these are, are noted, and even our benediction uh, is from a work that some of us will remember as young people uh, by the composer, the late Burl Red, uh, a musical called Celebrate Life, and it's just that last little part that is the closing of uh, the Lord's Prayer portion of this youth musical. So uh, today we're, we're dealing with the Lord's Prayer. And so may we stand as we sing a version of that. You'll find it in hymn 382. Uh, it's an old uh, tune called Morning Song, another early American kind of uh, uh, tune. And would you remain standing through the first reading? May we stand together.
first reading today comes from the prophet Jeremiah, 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 6. Jeremiah chapter 23, 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they are where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so I'm going to be on. I know you all are familiar with it, the Bible story. But I wanted to show you all a couple of things that I brought with me this morning. Um, this is a letter. Okay? And this is a letter I got from a school in Atlanta. It's got a big fancy letterhead here and big long paragraphs, all these titles at the end. Someone who at least thinks they're very important wrote this letter. Uh, a lot of big fancy words and things I didn't even understand the first time I read it. Um, but I got this in the mail, and I, I've kept it all these years. Uh, but I also have this, and this is something I got from one of my good friends in Nashville. This is just a simple little letter, two sentences long. You see the smudges here? It's all worn out and dirty and a couple misspelled words in there. Um, it's not very impressive, like this letter is impressive, is it? Um, but which one of these do you think is more special than this? This one? Good job. Why, why is this more special than this one? Somebody actually sat down and wrote it for me. They actually gave it to me and they sent it from the heart. They didn't just mail it out like it didn't mean anything. And even if there weren't any big fancy words or long sentences, this is a lot more special than this is. And this morning we're going to hear a lot about prayer. And prayer is kind of like writing a letter to God. And one of the things that we hear before the text this morning is that God already knows everything that we so it's easy to think that if we use big fancy words or these big long prayers that God will somehow hear us in a way that he wouldn't otherwise. But 
the Bible reminds us and Jesus reminds us that God already knows what we need. All God wants is for us to want to have a conversation with him. God wants us to, to draw closer to him. and That's what prayer is all about. It's about having a relationship with God. And sometimes a simple prayer goes a lot further than a big, fancy, eloquent prayer that doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, so what I thought we'd do this morning is we could have a prayer, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll go forth. So we all stand with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for our church family here. We thank you for the children of this church, and we thank you that you have entrusted your kingdom to such as these. We thank you that you are a God who we can come to simply and to give our hearts to without needing to use big fancy words or long sentences. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Chris has talked about us going before God or coming before God in prayer. May we also do, do the same as we bow and remember the many blessings, giving thanks, but also as we reflect upon those around us who are suffering, those who may need a special um, reminder of God's presence, maybe through us. Let's bow together. Loving and almighty God, we come into your presence today. And as we do so, our minds and hearts are filled and reminded of all the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. We gather in this place, this sacred space that is dedicated to worshiping the one true and living God. And as we do so, we come acknowledging that you have created us, you have given us life, you sustain it, and you have given us life eternal. We come, Lord, also knowing that as we gather here, there are many people around us that are suffering. Many who are grieving. People who have lost loved ones, such as the families of the tragic event in Chattanooga. We pray for them, and we pray for all who have experienced the loss of one very close to them. We pray, Lord, that your presence might bring comfort, that it might soothe some of the pain and fill some of the void that those experience. We pray also for those who now in this place are, are struggling with the weighty issues that are upon their minds. May you convey to us, O oh Lord, that you are in control and that you will give us direction and that we might be able to focus entirely on you for you are the one that we have assembled here for. Speak to our hearts, O oh Lord. Enable us to hear clearly what it is that you have for us to hear. May our minds and hearts be sensitive to the words that are offered words that encourage, words that convict, words that cause us to move from where we are to places we need to be. The truth of your word, that which penetrates the very core of our being. Help us, O oh Lord, as we embrace that and understand it with greater depth as we journey together seeking to understand the many ways that that might be lived out, that those truths learned may be manifest in actions that we engage in as we reach this community, as we care for one another, as we seek to look to days ahead that would be days bright with hope because of allowing you to use us as your conduits of your love and your grace. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would hear our prayers today, for they're made from the depths of our hearts to one who has redeemed us and made us whole. We pray, Lord, that you would hear our prayer 
a prayer that even our Lord taught his closest followers to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. I'm really glad to be here. Last time I preached in Birmingham, I preached over at Covenant, and I brought Emily Holiday with me. But she didn't come hear me preach. She came back here to visit with you. So uh, I still stay in touch with her up in Louisville, and I'm a Cardinals fan, too, so that helps me have a communication with her, though I'm not from Kentucky. As Tim told you, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure he did tell you that I'm from Cuba, Alabama. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here uh, worshiping with you today. I have one more little bit of business uh, before I start. I, I need to know who Ken Gannon is. I hear he's in the choir. Hi, Ken. Uh, Ken's father, I talked with Truett Gannon, uh, for a number of years, and Truett's already texted me this morning, said that Ken would be here taking notes. So uh, I'm just asking you to be as kind to me as you can, okay? That's all I'm asking. It's always a good day when we have a chance to come together with other Christians, sing God's praise, name those common uh issues that we have one with another and hear the scripture and the gospel scripture today is from Mark chapter 6 verses 9 through 13 this then said Jesus is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not 
into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many of you have heard of WWJD. Some of you might have worn the bracelets. What would Jesus do? Am I on? Not. Now I am. Uh, I know you'll get me through here. Um, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, this sharing that I do today from the scripture, my sermon today, my homily, is uh, HW. JP, how would Jesus pray? It matters. Because for Christians, how you pray is how you will live. If you pray like Jesus, you will live like Jesus. And we know how Jesus would pray and how he would have us pray. It says so right in that first verse. Jesus says, pray this way. And then he teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. When you let these words become your prayer, you will become like Jesus. I don't mean, of course, if you memorize these words and say these words, though you do have to know the words, but it's more than just an empty repetition, of course. Back in 1759, Pennsylvania Quaker John Woolman journeyed on a peace mission into dangerous Native American country. Once, forgetting to pause for his interpreters, Woolman began to pray fervently for his hearers. As he finished, the Native American chief, Papunjang, put his hand on his heart and said, I love to hear where those words come from. When, by God's grace, the words of the Lord's prayer flow from the inner light, of the Spirit of God within us, we will be praying as Jesus taught us to pray. We will be praying as Jesus prayed. We will begin with our Father who art in heaven. So as you pray, Start as a child speaking to a beloved parent. Is that your image of God? Or has this childlike approach to the mystery that is behind all things? I've been fascinated by those pictures from Pluto. All we don't know. Has this childlike approach to the mystery that is behind all things become impersonal or distant for you, Christians? Remember Jesus' favorite title for God. It was Abba, Aramaic for Dada, like Mama. When my child was 18 months old, still hanging on one of those little chairs on the table, uh, the only word she knew was Dada. It's a great time for me. So I would get, when other people would gather around, I'd say, Claire, who do you love? And she'd say, Dada. Start there. Start knowing you are that beloved child of God. A chick gathered safely under the wings of its mother. Trust you are hers. Trust you are desired and loved by this infinite maker of worlds. And that this one enjoys your company.
as you child play pray to your heavenly parent don't forget the very first word of this phrase our father who art in heaven the very first word is our O-U-R. This little word confesses your universal kinship with all the human family. God is our Father. I got a chance to make a tour of Italy a number of years ago with my wife Libby. And as we searched in a tiny mountain village for relatives of her immigrant grandparents, we were searching because we weren't even sure we were in the right town. We didn't know if it was Capriana, which we'd gotten to, or Capriano, which we couldn't get to. So unable to speak any Italian, we'd showed person after person a sheet of paper with Libby's name on it, her mother's name on it, and her grandmother's name on it with no hint of recognition from anyone we showed it to. We stayed an hour or two in the little village, became discouraged, got back to the town square to pick up the bus that would take us back to our hotel in the city. And Libby happened to walk across the little square and tuck the piece of paper with the names under it under the counter to the postal clerk. Clerk looked at the names, got a puzzled look on her face, then looked up and said, America, America. She closed the window, leaving people in line. She came around, she grabbed us and hugged us close to her, saying things that I to this day don't know what she said, but I loved where the words came from. Moments before, we were foreigners in a little world not our own, but in an instant, we became welcomed, long-lost, newfound family members. When we left town, we picked up a few snacks in the grocery store, and the clerk threw candy into our bags. And that afternoon before we left, catching another bus, we knelt with new family in the little stone church in Capriano, and we prayed together in different languages what Libby's Roman Catholic family calls the Paternoster, the Our Father. The Our in Our Father should remind us that our prayers rise from the Spirit of Jesus and that if that is true, we can never pray or live with an us-against-them attitude. Every stranger is an unmet brother or sister, deeper than blood kin, black, white, Christian, Jew, Muslim, male, female, gay, straight, sinner, saint. That is our family. Those are our brothers and sisters. We are all family held in the loving embrace of our heavenly parent. And as you look at the news this week, last week, next week, pray our Father. So Christian prayer begins with recognition of our place in the universe as a beloved child of the divine mystery which lies underneath all things, behind all things, is within all things, is above all things. And all around us are our brothers and sisters in all creation. Our Father, who art in heaven, it begins. Christian prayer begins. Then Jesus teaches us, his disciples, to name 
three desires every Christian soul longs for God to satisfy. Next come three desires every Christian soul longs for God to satisfy. The three longings he invites us to raise toward God are God's name be hallowed, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an old word, hallowed. We only use it on Halloween, or almost only on Halloween. It means holy. God's name be sacred to us. If we pray with the heart of Jesus, we will long for God to be seen in this world as God truly is, holy. I teach in a theological school. God is not some abstract philosophical principle for academic debate. God is not some insignificant archaic artifact to be tossed around as a common profanity. God is a living word known for its vital power steeped in mystery and otherness. Baptist Saint Clarence Jordan, who founded Cornania Farms, out of which came Habitat for Humanity, down in Georgia, translated, hallowed be thy name, as, quote, may your name be taken seriously, end quote. He did take it seriously. Habitat for Humanity is a result. Do you take God's name seriously? There's fruit from that attitude. The kingdom in thy kingdom come means we express to God a second longing, that longing that the world run according to the divine vision of how things should be. Have y'all heard we're heading into another presidential election season? Anybody heard that? Politicians will create a platform and say, if elected, such and such will be my policy. Christians who pray, thy kingdom come, cast their votes for God's policies without having to claim that they write God's platform. There's a third phrase here in those longings that we are invited to participate in and to bring before God. The third phrase is, thy will be done. This is the desire of the one praying for the hallowed God and that God's policies to act. This is the prayer that we desire for things to change here, now. What would all that look like if God's will were done? If you want to know, take a little time to read the chapter before the chapter that I just read from in our scripture today. That'd be chapter 5. It begins a thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Do we really desire a present social reality where we are reconciled with our sinful brothers and sisters? A social reality where we sacrifice the lusts and greed in our hearts 
for the sake of right relationship with others who are not like us? Do we desire a social reality where we give up graduations, gradations, and gray areas in telling the truth? Do we really desire a social structure, a social reality where we turn the other cheek and love our enemies in deed as well as in word? To love mercy, to love mercy without talking about who deserves mercy or what tribe or what religion or what race they belong to. Is this the change we desire? Do we desire, in short, to love others as God has loved us, sinful tribal people, racist people? Is this the change you desire, Christian? And more than desire, is this the change you call for to actually be done? Not in some heavenly future, but here, now, on this earth, as it is in heaven. Careful. Careful. If you do not desire this, you are not ready to pray the Lord's Prayer, nor to live the life it calls you to live, the life of Jesus in this world. Now if you, like me, fall short of such pure desires as those three petitions call for, for God's holiness to be taken seriously, for God's social norms to govern us every day, for God's will to be enacted here and now, if you fall short of those desires, and putting them into practice? If putting God and God's ways first seems beyond your powers, I have good news. Do not despair. For the rest of this prayer teaches us how to pray for our frail and sinful selves. After those first three petitions of desire for God, the Lord's Prayer ends with three other petitions. And all of these three are about having mercy on us, having mercy on me. The fourth petition is in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. The fifth is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Luke says our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And those blessed Methodists and Episcopals, I like best their translation, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the sixth and the last one of those last three begging for mercy is do not bring us to the time of trial. Lead us not into temptation. The key word in all of these is G-I-V-E. Give. We are beggars. My students at McAfee put a quote from former faculty member of blessed memory, John Claypool, who taught for us for seven years. They put one of John's quotes on the back of a t-shirt a few years ago. The quote read, life is gift. Everything we have comes from the hand of a gracious God. Everything. 
Jesus does not call us to work harder or for the strength to work harder. Jesus calls us to have courage, courage to accept a divine, undeserved handout. Christian prayer does not ask for the ability to figure out who deserves forgiveness, but to accept the forgiveness we ourselves do not deserve, and to spread it among others who don't deserve it either. By the only negative petition in this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we end by praying that we not be led into temptation, but that we be delivered from evil. This is a tacit admission that we have no strength within ourselves to help ourselves, to resist sin, to avoid failure to do the right thing. All of that is from God. So the source of each one of these last three petitions is our recognition that we are totally dependent upon God for everything, body and soul. And here the prayer ends with our admission that our only hope lies in God's holiness, God's rule, God's act. And by the way, there Matthew's gospel ends this prayer. First time I realized that, I was about my second year in seminary. We'd gone up to a Benedictine monastery and the monks were praying the Lord's Prayer and we prayed it with them and uh, they ended at... And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Question and answer session, we asked Brother Samuel, who was our guide, why don't you guys pray the whole Lord's Prayer? And he said, because we're biblical. And that is the whole Lord's Prayer in the Bible. Well, early Christians later added, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever." and ever. Amen. And that is a fitting finish to Christian prayer, if not literally a biblical one. Prayer, the road which leads to God, to living like Jesus, to being who you and I are made to be, begins with acknowledging our desire for God's rule over us, and it ends with our dependence upon the one who is all in all. Let us pray in this manner. Let us pray these words with all our hearts over and over and over like all the Christians in every time and in every place have done before us as the sources of the music today so clearly show. Let us Pray these words until they take root in our hearts and produce fruit in our lives. Come to this prayer and its teacher and redeemer that we may be redeemed along with the rest of creation. The rest of creation which is already with us or without us coming under the rule and the rule of the one who taught us to pray together the prayer prayed by all those Christians in all those places and in all those times. Our Father, may it be so. this prayer is prayed or sung, we are called. Do you hear the call today? Is this a call you have answered? Is it a call you desire to answer? This community prays the Lord's Prayer with sincerity. I invite you 
if you're looking for a group who prays it and lives it, to make that decision today, here, and now. Amen. me in prayer, please. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you give us all that we need. Thank you for the caring for us. And may we in our gratitude respond by sharing these tithes and offerings for the work of your church. We ask this in the name of our Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Before we go out, let me say just a couple of words of thanks to Dr. Allen for being here and sharing with us today, reminding again that um, the way we pray is all determines how we're going to live. And we know that we all struggle. We are weak and we fail, but yet God promises to be there to uplift us, to be there to give us the courage, those things needed to be the people God has called us to be individually and collectively every day that we live. As we go out today, we want to again welcome all those who may be guests today, those who are visiting with us or those who've been away for a while. We want to welcome you back uh, to Southside. Take a moment to speak to those around you, but also as we go out, take time to fellowship a little bit there in the narthex. There'll be some lemonade and cookies there, a chance to talk with each other for just a few moments. And now may the love of God our Father and the grace of Christ our Savior and the fellowship of the Spirit be with us now and evermore.